Shout Out is a registered charity and we work all across Ireland delivering workshops to young people. We deliver workshops in schools to teachers, to parents and guardians, youth workers and even workplaces because eventually you'll end up working there too and we want those to be inclusive spaces for you. For 10 years now, since 2012, we've been delivering workshops in secondary schools across the island of Ireland to tackle LGBTQ plus bullying. And we've done over 2,000 student workshops over the past eight school years, speaking directly to over 60,000 students. In Shoutout, we use our on-the-ground experience of speaking with young people to inform all of our training modules, which we also deliver to teachers, parents, guardians, social workers, youth workers, and in workplaces. If you believe in inclusion through education and you want to learn more, book a workshop for your school or for staff, and you can learn more at www.shoutout.ie. Hi, you're listening to Shout Out Listen In. Shout Out Listen In. Shout Out Listen In. Thought we gave Shout Out Listen In. Shout Out Listen In. In both our workshops and on this podcast, members of the LGBTQ community share their own personal stories, which can lead to open conversations about both the positive and the negative experiences of being LGBTQ. We are aware that these stories can be triggering for people at times. So please be gentle and cautious when listening and always reach out for help if you feel you need it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Shout Out Listen In. My name is Lisa Nakamrev and I'm on the steering committee of Shout Out and have been for a number of years. I volunteer with Shout Out and highly recommend that you do too. If you'd like to learn more about what Shout Out does, book a workshop or to become a volunteer yourself, we'd love to have you on board. Visit our website, shoutout.ie. And this Shout Out Listen In podcast series is all about the work that we do, education and awareness of LGBTQ issues right across Ireland. And we're so happy that you've tuned in for this special episode. As we always say here on Shout Out Listen In, please do take care listening. This episode features mention of bullying and violence against the LGBTQ plus community and other challenges facing in particular the trans and non-binary community. In this episode, we're sitting down with Denise Breen. Denise is married with two kids. She's originally a dub, married a Lily White, and so now lives in Kildare. She's worked as a project manager in the engineering and construction sector for over 40 years and has worked for ESB, Arup, Jacobs, the PM Group, Google, AWS, and is now a director with Turner and Townsend. She lived and worked in Ireland, the UK, the US, and Asia, and has experienced transgender issues across these countries and regions. In her spare time, Denise works with KFM Radio in Kildare and is passionate about broadcasting. She loves cinema and writes a blog on thefourthwall.xyz and she is a director on the board of Kenny, the Trans Equality Network of Ireland, if you haven't heard of their wonderful work. And you can find out more about Kenny at www.tenny.ie. Tenny, as you'll hear from Denise shortly, do workshops just like ourselves in schools, but particularly around trans and non-binary issues. And their work is just invaluable in Irish society today and, of course, globally. I sat down for a chat with Denise about her life, her work and the great work being done by Tenny, their board, their staff and everybody who's involved. And we also spoke about the state of play for trans and all LGBTQ plus people in Ireland and around the world. The first question I asked Denise was to tell us a bit about herself and her own story. 
Yeah, I'm I'm a, a dub originally, um, a North Sider, God's country. Um, I'm that's part of the country. <laughs> yes, that's part of the country. I'm one of those difficult middle children, uh, middle of uh, of three siblings. And um, my elder brother died some years ago, but so just two was left me, my sister. Um, I'm married to Kira. Um, we've been married uh, seventeen years now. Uh, she's a lily white, so um. That's how we're, we're living in Kildare these days in Newbridge. And for a living, I work in design and construction. I've been in that industry for over 40 years. Um, and I started as an apprentice electrician with the ESB a long, long time ago. Um, I've been primarily working in those dreaded things called data centers uh, for <laughs> the last 25 years or so, um, yeah. kind of designing and constructing data centers. And uh, I've, I've, that job has brought me amazing places i've lived in the uk texas oregon california you know i've worked in japan singapore india all places all over europe and um, it's been it's been great uh, and my role i suppose primarily in, in in the day job is project management um, uh, and at the moment i'm a, a director with the uh, a global consultancy providing kind of project management services uh, to our customers and the other thing i do which is kind of fun and um, is and I suppose it's my passion in life is radio, and um, we'll probably talk a little bit more about radio later on. But I, I, I yeah, started radio a, a good while ago. And um, what else do I do? Um, oh, big Star Trek fan. Um, for all the Star Trek fans out there, I'm a big, big Star Trek fan. Uh, and also, um, uh, I, I like film. Uh, I have a film blog which I publish as well um, on film reviews, so I do that too. Um, I've been a volunteer with Samaritans for over 14 years, and uh, that's interesting too. Um, a little closer to home, um, I started my social transition um, about 20 years ago, now a little over 20 years ago. Um, I completed my legal transition um, shortly after the Gender Re Recognition Act came out in 2015. And uh, so was medically, I finished that medical transition about three or four years ago. Um, so there you are five minutes on the quiet life Denise yeah <laughs> yeah it's such a varied interesting like even when I saw your Twitter bio I thought wow like so many different strings to your bow um, like a lot of people these days and I love it because I'm one of those people who has lots of passions too and I think it's a it's a great way that now maybe we talk to young people that it isn't as simple as you have to have this job and these interests. Yeah. You can have such a range. You yeah. can work voluntary. You can work in community radio and whatever else on the side. Yeah. So it's so great to hear and how positive you sound about it, too. Um, although I'm sure weeks can be long. So tell us maybe, um, I suppose, as a podcast host and a radio presenter myself, I have to ask you about radio and community radio and um, local regional kind of stations um, and you've done a lot of work with KFM of course over mm. the years would you tell us a bit about that and your journey with that and and, and what it's like I suppose uh, for anyone who doesn't know much about that to be kind of part of those yeah. regional radio families you might call them yeah it's um I suppose radio I've always had an interest in music a huge interest in music and you know collected vinyl from when I I remember spending my first sort of communion money buying, you know, whatever the number one single was in the charts at the time on vinyl. Um, so I've always had an interest in music um, and uh, as, as well as things technical. 
So as I, as I mentioned, you know, I started off as an apprentice electrician in my career when I was 17. But I've always had an interest in how things work. Um, and radio just always was one of those things that, um, like I've heard the quote that radio is the, like the theatre of the mind. And I would almost prefer radio to television because you create your own pictures, your own images in your mind when you're listening to a voice on radio, when you're listening to someone talking about something. And um, plus, when I grew up, um, the radio was always on in our house. You know, it was the second thing to be turned on in the morning. The kettle was clicked on and the radio was turned on next. And so radio was always present in the house growing up. And uh, those voices always fascinated me. You know, the likes of, you know, listening to Gay Byrne in the morning. And well, there wasn't much choice in radio. It was just RTE at the time. Um, but listening to those voices was always fascinating. Um, and, and as a, an electrician as a, and as a teenager, I um, got into had a, as a fascination with radio and how things work. And someone gave me an old valve radio to, to see if I could make it work. And I managed to fix it, make it work and uh, started fixing old radios as a, as a bit of a hobby. And then through the local youth club, they wanted to do a disco one weekend. And I put my hand up and said, well, I'll do the disco. So that was the uh, my first venture into mobile discoing. And myself and a friend of mine uh, did mobile discos right through the whole 80s, the whole um, you know summer projects, youth clubs, weddings, 21st, those kind of things. And... Um, and through that, then we both got involved with uh, the a local pirate radio station in Dublin in the late 80s. It was called North Dublin Community Radio, which was the, the predecessor of Near FM uh, in Dublin. Um, and so I uh, was involved there uh, for a few years. Uh, work then took me to the UK. And I was involved in hospital radio there. Loved hospital radio. I was working in Bristol. And uh, the hospital radio station there serves 27 hospitals. It's one of the biggest hospital radio stations in the world, actually. And came back to Ireland and uh, worked in Beaumont Hospital Radio for some time when they had their FM license. That was good fun. Um, and then about 25 years ago, God, sounds a long time ago, um, I was approached to start working in commercial radio here in Ireland. And I spent uh, seven or eight years up on LMFM. Um, and then when KFM started down here in Kildare um, 20 years ago, I joined KFM and I've been with them pretty much ever since, uh, mainly doing weekend programs. And so that, that's radio and how I've, how I've been doing it uh, yeah, for, for a long time, long, long time. And it's such a great way to connect. I, I love the story of hospital radio and it's something I spoke mm. to a hospital teacher once. People forget yeah. there are kind of communities within those kind of medical spaces as well where people, you know, can speak to each other mm. and engage with people mm. in that kind of community that people can kind of find themselves as part of yeah. uh, within a hospital. And hospital radios are, 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 are fun places because they're all volunteers. And you're right, there is a whole community. There's a whole... Um, almost etiquette to, mm. to hospital radio because there are certain songs you can't play sure. um, in, in hospital radio, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's many a, a funny story of songs that got played um, inappropriately <laughs> on hospital radio. That shouldn't have been played. <laughs> it shouldn't have been played. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, I, radio, as I say, is one of those things. And um, what often surprises me uh, and one of the things that keeps me going in radio is Every so often someone will send you an email or they will write you a letter or something 
and they'll talk about how you've helped them get through a difficult time mm. just by being a voice on the radio. Um, yeah, and you never forget them. <laughs> yeah, and that brings home the power of radio. Yeah. You know, it's very, it is a much more intimate um, media form than, 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 than television or, or anything else like that. So, yeah, that's what keeps me coming back to, to radio. I love it. Yeah, and it's no wonder that people listen to podcasts so much in Ireland because we are, of course, some of the highest still radio listeners in the world, um, yes. ourselves in Australia. So it, it it really makes sense that that we seem to love that that audio, that conversation. As you say, so many of us, I'm sure so yeah. many listening will have that same story of waking up to the radio in the morning and your parents maybe blaring it to wake you up and things like that. So it's, it's yeah, it's really ingrained in, in who we are. Yeah. Um, one, one of my... One of my favorite programs growing up, um, it was funny because it was on a Sunday morning and the radio was always on a Sunday morning, was Sunday Miscellany on RTE. Oh, yeah. yeah sure. That's still going strong to this day. Um, yeah. And it's basically members of the public are come in and read a story, two mm-hmm. or three minutes of something that happened in their, in their personal life. And uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. Such a unique show, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose as well, Denise, we're delighted to have you join us um, as somebody who's involved in an organization that, I mean, I look at Tenny's work and I think about the world that we're living in and the challenges mm. that the trans and non-binary community are facing in particular. We can see so much from Shout Out, but when you're focused in on the community, within a community, I suppose, I just, I, I suppose I wonder just how intense things are around the Tenny board table, around the Tenny staff room and things like that. And I can't imagine things are easy, but I do imagine that there's a wonderful sense of community as well. That's always been my impression of Tenny. Um, I suppose, could you tell us a bit about where Tenny are at, um, where you're kind of going and that kind of thing hmm. and how it is to be on the board of Tenny at the moment? Because I'm sure you're always looking for new board members and volunteers too. So if anyone's listening and thinking of getting involved, maybe Denise. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yes, we're always looking for new board members. And um, yeah, it's it's look, I, I've been on the board of Tenny for about five years now. And uh, you would like to think you know, that with all the work that Tenny have done over the years and organizations like yourselves and shout out, um, that things will be getting easier uh for our community, but they just seem to be getting more difficult and um, much more difficult. And organizations are I'll use the phrase coming under attack. I know that sounds like uh from uh, a little dramatic, but we do see organizations, particularly like ourselves, coming under attack from social commentators, from uh, opinion columnists in newspapers, um, from newspapers themselves, and from people crawling through our our accounts, because we obviously have to declare our accounts publicly. Um, So it is a difficult time uh, for organisations and NGOs like ourselves. Um, But we have a great board. We have a a really, really strong, focused, dedicated board um, who try to rise above the commentary that we hear at the moment and remember why we are here. You know, we're here, we have three goals, you know, you know, advocacy, education and support. They're the three pillars of, of Tenny, you know, for advocating for change, whether that's whether that be legal or, or legislation, you know, uh, providing support to the community through workshops, through training, through uh, materials that we have on our website, you know, and, and, and um, education. 
you know, like yourselves in Shouthouse, Tenny would go out into the uh, community and run education. Um, we would go into employers, into the workplace and run education workshops for employers as well. So it's it's one of the key things and one of the things that keeps me involved in Tenny is, is that whole thing of education. For me, that's the, the most important piece. And, um, you know, as, as, as a woman with a, with a trans history, um, I, I've had my share of unpleasantness, let's call it that, even in the workplace. Um, and sometimes when you mention it to HR, they might say, um, oh, would you like to take a, a complaint, formal complaint? And I say, no, education is where we need to go. You know, running education, inviting in organizations like Tenny into the workplace uh, to help run education workshops. And, and, and one of the things that Tenny do and have been quite successful with is, is helping large organizations to craft their own internal policies when it comes to uh, trans and non-binary people. Um, and large organizations from, you know, the Central Bank to Dublin Airport to the HSE themselves, Tenny have been there helping them to shape those policies. Um, and indeed, you know, slightly controversially, the uh, the new Garda Síochána policy was one that Tenny helped shape as well. And I know the uh, the, the members of Garda Síochána have asked for that to be uh, reviewed, so it hasn't been launched just yet. Um, but that's work that, that Tenny do, and it is quite important as well. Absolutely. Um, and we love to follow everything that Tenny does. And I think it's important as well for us to platform each other and like that, where we do shout out workshops that are quite broad about the spectrum mm. of identities within the community. And um, sometimes there is a need in schools um, for that targeted, mm. you know, focusing in on gender identity and awareness around issues um, particularly affecting trans and non-binary kids in schools and we always yeah. say in the workshops too staff teachers caretakers anyone who's involved in the school community um, mm. can go through changes and transformations and find different parts of themselves and it's so important that I think Penny do those workshops and engage with schools even though yeah. I know you have to engage right across society at, at all levels yeah. too you know we do we have we have a you know a schools and a family support officer who goes into schools and, and runs those workshops as well very similar to what Shoutout would do and uh, you know it can be you know, one of the things we hear a lot in the media these days and in the last year or two is, you know, the phrase concerned parents and, um, you know, the teaching of the, the new uh, curriculum in schools, and um, which is, is quite innocuous and quite harmless. But, um, I, you know, when, when parents over the years, parents have asked me, you know, my child wants to do X or Y or Z or, or they, they think they may be this, they think they may be that. Um, I always say to them, you know, what does the child want right now? Mm. And it may just be they want to cut their hair or grow their hair mm -hmm. or experiment with clothing or something. That's it, you know. But I think as human beings and maybe as parents um, and maybe as teachers as well, um, people seem to jump straight to the end game with children and think, yeah. oh, there's surgery, there's this, there's that, there's, you know, when a child may just be you know, exploring uh, for themselves what's what's going on. And, you know, it may just be a different name and that's it, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's such a spectrum there too. Like I was listening to a wonderful BBC Sounds podcast 
with a guy from Derry who moved to the US and, mm. you know, he identifies as a man. He is very much a man and he just wears dresses. He loves to wear dresses. He adores dresses. And that's just who he is. And mm. there's this like spectrum that we don't talk about enough sometimes and, and that we don't hear about enough in a lot of the maybe more scaremongering media articles or social media commentary that doesn't allow for that lovely, beautiful spectrum of diversity within the community. uh, And that really exists where people just have different ways of expressing themselves. They know who they are. They know their identity. And we won't go down that road, but we we trust kids, I suppose, with their identity and who they are. And I I really like that idea, Denise, of just listening to the right now. What what do they need? Right now, what do they need? Yeah. 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 And again, there's so much we could say, and we've had discussions on this podcast, so we won't go, we won't mm. look too further afield, but maybe looking at Ireland and Tenny mm. and, and where things are at now, as you say, unfortunately, the work of Shout Out, the work of Tenny, all mm. of our organisations has unfortunately become more and more challenging. Things have, it doesn't feel like things are progressing the way maybe they were uh, eight years ago around the time of the marriage equality referendum. What are, would you say, your biggest challenges as an organization at the moment? And, and what are the biggest strengths? Where are we, mm. like we always say, we feel in, in tandem with the increased issues that we're facing, we see an increase in allyship. We see more people willing to come out and say, I support the community. And that in itself is such a positive. So I suppose if you have any positives to share and negatives. Of, of yeah, I think one of the key strengths, I think I mentioned it, you know, we, we have a we have a really dedicated, uh, talented team who deliver the services every day that 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 Tenny deliver, and I think that's really key. That's one of the key strengths that we have. We've been very fortunate to find that talented team and keep them, and 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 they do a fantastic job, and and, and the board as well. And um, you know, I know we said earlier, you know, if anyone's thinking of joining the board, we always look for new board members, but. But the staff who are there every day, you know, dealing with the phone calls, dealing with people who are calling in to the centre, either face to face or in on you know, the phone, or parents who call in, or teachers or schools who call in, dealing with all of those issues. You know, it's an amazing team that we have there. And um, I mean, the the challenges that we face, you know, at a very simple level, are the same challenges that a lot of NGOs face, whether they're operating in this space or not. And um, funding, funding is always a big challenge for all of us and um, maintaining funding so that we can provide those services. But I suppose more topically, the um, the big challenge we face at the moment is, is the wave of um, what I call anti-trans rhetoric that we see at the moment in media and television and journalism, and, and particularly on social media. And um, that's, uh, it, it seems to be a little, uh, well, I'll use two words. It's imported and it's manufactured. Um, uh, and that's a little worrying because, um, you know, we see some of the things that are happening um, with uh, asylum seekers and immigrants there in, in Ireland, you know, today. And, and uh, you know, we see the headlines from, from Claire as well. And um, I don't think, you know, just to, to move topic for a second, I don't think we're a racist country, but we definitely have racists here. I don't think we are a homophobic or transphobic country, but we definitely have homophobic and transphobic people. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's something that needs to 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 be done. 
and looked at. So that's one of our biggest challenges at the moment. And um, it's the people who are shouting from the uh, their Sunday newspaper column that they're being cancelled. Is it's that, that strange dichotomy? But but look, <laughs> we won't go too far down that rabbit hole. Um, what does cancelled even mean anymore? That's not my question. So culture, it's one of those things that just, you know, mm-hmm. it's people shouting from the rooftops about cancel culture, you know. it's I find it strange. Um, but, but one of the other big challenges we have is, you know, you, you mentioned marriage equality and I mentioned earlier, you know, the Gender Recognition Act, which came in in, in, in 2015 and, and Ireland was the fourth country in the world to bring in self-ID. And, uh, you know, as I say to people, the sky hasn't fallen in all of these horror stories and all of these uh, manufactured issues that you see, particularly in UK media, US media and imported into Ireland. They have not materialised in the eight years that that legislation has been here in Ireland. It just hasn't happened. So it's it's a, it's a false thing. Uh, but one of the challenges that we have here in Tenney is um, to go back to the Gender Recognition Act. That was only the first step. You know, there's still a lot more to do, uh, particularly for our non-binary community. Um, that legislation did not uh, address their needs, nor did it adequately address the needs of minors and uh, people who are under 18 or under 16 and, and and what options they may have. So that's still something we we continue to campaign for. Um, so 2015, huge step forward. And uh, to quote... Uh, a politician, a lot done, more to do. But uh, that, that's that's one of the big challenges that we have um, in Tenny. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, we won't go into the details um, because everything is very raw and I'm sure there could mm. be young people listening to us who were connected to um, recent assaults. But, I mean, you and I know, Denise, I mean, I don't think it was any news to us, sadly, when all of these attacks on LGBT people started to come into national media and international mm-hmm. media a lot more. We were reading them in GCN. We were hearing about them. We had friends mm-hmm. who experienced them. We know that, unfortunately, the bullying and violence at times against LGBT people is an issue that's been around for a long time to different degrees. I suppose with the perceived increase um, of late uh, and certainly Mm. we're hearing of quite violent and quite um, awful attacks. It's only a year since um, two men were murdered for being gay in Sligo. Where do we go from here? I mean, it's it's a big question, but what's your sense of, of where things are at? And, you know, in particular, when we think about young people and Mm. education, we've talked about the workshops Mm. Um, you know, what more can be done? We're kind of doing our best, but I think is it a broader societal um, think, involvement in it, or what? What do you think about it all? I think I think you touched on the word education, and we both have used that word a few times. And I think education is a key aspect of this. It really is. And um, but the other thing that goes hand in hand with education, I think, and it's something we don't teach in our schools, and um, well, and this affects everyone, whether it may whether it be asylum seekers, immigrants, LGBTQ plus community, whatever it may be. We don't teach empathy in our schools, empathy for your fellow human being. Um, and that, for me, is the root and possibly the solution of all of these issues. You know, at the end of the day, everyone is a human being. 
everyone has the same basic needs of shelter, of food, water, family, support. Um, and the failure to recognize that is just a lack of empathy. Um, so I think education, absolutely, that has to be done. Uh, because, you know, when, when I grew up and was growing up, I, I, there was no education, you know, there was no internet. And that's how old I am. Um, so you struggle to understand. You don't have the language to express your feelings and your thoughts. So I think education gives people that language, gives people that ability to express what's what's going on inside them, which is fantastic. But I think empathy for me is, you know, if there, if there was a soundbite, that's it. It's, it's empathy, teaching empathy in schools for your fellow human being and whatever situation they may find themselves in. Absolutely. The word empathy is one that comes up a lot and yeah. it's something that I recognize so much. I'm not saying we're the most empathetic people, it's not fair to say, but in my mm. LGBT friends, I do notice the empathy because I think to go on the journey that you go through to not, you know, to 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 come out to the world and to come out to yourself, to realize who you are, that sort of mm. journey of self-discovery. I think it involves building that kind of empathy and that that yeah. self-care and love. And yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting. Yes. And I do think, yeah, there, it, it's missing um, broadly. You'll be happy to hear um, my mom is a primary school teacher and has recently been initiating a new program in her primary school. And she told me there is a lesson focused in on empathy. And she yeah. said in, in her whole teaching career, it isn't something she's done much of. But this yeah. really does just focus on the purest kind of rawest form of empathy without talking mm. about who it's mm. for, but just this is for me and, yeah. and, and I see the world this way. And how do you see the world? So, yeah, yeah it's it's definitely we need more of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned, you know, that, you know, a journey and 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 LGBT people kind of looking at themselves and understanding themselves. And I, I was Google and very kindly invited me in to give a, a keynote speech to them uh, a couple of years ago now. And and the question was on was on or the topic was on and um, why do LGBTQI plus people make better managers and better leaders? And uh, and I found it was very interesting because I think. For people to have, and I, I, I hate that phrase to go on that journey. I hate that phrase journey, but let's use, let's use it for now to go on that journey. You have a higher degree of self-awareness of who you are. Yeah. Your strengths as a person, your weaknesses as a person. And you understand yourself and your character much better. And I think from understanding yourself, you have a greater ability to understand and empathize with other people which I think is one of the key um, requirements mm. for leadership and good leadership is, 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 is empathy. And I think that comes from that, that self-awareness as well. So Absolutely. it's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm delighted to hear your mum is doing that. It's, uh, <laughs> I know. It's, I said, I hope this program is going to be rolled out. I think it's it a gives me hope. program, but I hope it's rolled out. <laughs> countrywide yeah. because it's such a simple and, and this is something that they do with junior infants you know like it really is get in there at the very beginning and just talk yeah. about empathy um, yeah. without having to have a lesson on lgbt things or yeah. race it's, or anything yeah. like that it's just that simple it can, it can start with empathy for the the pet rabbits that you might bring into the classroom that day you can start with Absolutely. something very simple 
Yeah. And I suppose, Denise, um, we're coming towards the end of our conversation. I'm sorry hmm. today. I could talk to you for hours. Um, but, you know, we're, we're facing into kind of pride season now. And I'm sure yes. there's some people listening who maybe aren't part of the community or there are people who within the community maybe want to support their siblings, who are the other letters on the acronym that we teach in hmm. our workshops. Um, the alphabet people, as I call them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think are ways, I suppose, practical ways that people can support each other within the community or support the community? Let's say somebody is a leader and they've lots of empathy and they want to do something really practical and tangible around pride and not just pop the rainbows on everything. Um, are there things that you'd really encourage people to do or think about in, in the months over the summer when we're celebrating pride? Yeah, it, I mean, it's interesting that you talk about that. What's that phrase? Rainbow washing. Um, it's one of those things that I I struggle with every every June. Um, you know, because it, you can look at it negatively, you can look at it positively, and I think depending on on the day of the week that I look at it, <laughs> I may look at it positively or negatively. Um, overall, I think it is positive. Um, but what I would like to see more organisations do. Uh, rather than just slapping on a rainbow um, on their email signature or on the front of their building um, every June, um, I, I go back to that topic again. I know I know we've said it a few times. Education, run education programs in the workplace. Um, invite people in. Invite trans people. Invite non-binary people in. Ask them to talk about their lived experience. Because when I look back at the successful referenda campaigns that have been run in Ireland, whether it be for marriage equality or for repealing the eighth, what I think won hearts and minds there were the human stories. You know, people spoke about their son, you know, like former President Mary McAleese talking about her son. It brought home these are human stories. These are people, you know, when people spoke about their um, issues around abortion um, and their experiences, it made it real. And um, so I think we need to make it real. And I think organizations should invite in people from organizations, not just like Penny, invite people from Shout Out, from Belong To, uh, from all of our um, you know collegiate organizations and um, into the workplace and just and, and talk about lived experiences see that we are human beings you know and um, we it's funny and um, when I, my 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 wife obviously had uh you know our, our marriage i've used the phrase survived my transition there's not many that do and um, but we did and it's it's fantastic and um, but she said to me one day a couple of years after our transition she said um you're still the same pain in the ass you always were. <laughs> we are all a lot of compliment. That's what it is. And that's what it is. We are all still humans. We all still have our foibles, our good things, our bad things. Um, and all of this stuff at the end of the day, whether it's LGBT or any other letter you want to talk about, um, or any nationality or any color you want to talk about. Um, we are all still humans and we can all still be pains in the asses if we, you know, 
and the same person to the core you know like when I see friends transitioning I feel like we're just getting this amazingly enhanced version of the person any of my own friends and there I can only speak about them but I Mm. notice the difference in the photographs I notice the difference in their smiles I notice Mm. how comfortable they seem to be in the world and although it's so difficult to transition in, in the world that we live in or it can be not for everybody I suppose there is just this it's like you're getting Denise 2.0 you're getting this wonderful real version of somebody who is just more comfortable in who they are and and their skin you've you've been you've been hiding some you've been hiding your true self for so many years you allow your true self to come through and that's what people see Mm. and surely others can empathize with that because so many of us and, and again it comes back to school I think because of bullying something that we both both of our organizations try to tackle because Mm. of bullying because of the feeling among young people sometimes people hide off close off parts of themselves Mm. because they're not perceived as cool they're not perceived as normal and for some reason when people are young they want to be normal and as we get older we care less but everybody I think can empathize with that with having to hide off some part of yourself even those that are perceived as the most popular kids in school or you know, yeah. they they too are are hiding off maybe some of the mm. more real parts of themselves. So yeah, so well, lots well, to think about, Denise, with education, empathy, yeah. awareness. Yeah. Any final words, Denise, or any hopes uh, for the future? Hopes for the future. Uh, do you know what? One of the as a trans person in Ireland, you have to go through a lot of psychological assessments. It's just one of those things that you have to. Do. One of the psychologists asked me um, in one of our last sessions, um, what would you say now if you could go back to seven-year-old you? You know, and mm-hmm. I could even get emotional thinking about it now. I know. But I would go back and say, everything is going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I've heard a lot of these letters written to to, to ourselves and we're younger broadcast mm. on radio shows recently. And yeah. that's often what people say. And and yeah. and surprisingly, with one of the recent attacks, even our Taoiseach said it will get better. Things do get better. And yeah. sadly, that's something we have to say in shout out workshops. It'll get better after school. But wouldn't it yeah. be better if it could be better now, if it could be yes. better in yeah. schools? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I think you're right. Let's start. Yeah, because yeah. one of the education, things, awareness, and empathy from a young age. People often ask me, you know, why are you so visible? Why are you, you know, talking about what you're talking about? Visibility is key. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes back to I can't remember who said it. You can't be what you can't see. Yeah. So yeah. visibility uh, is so important. It goes hand in hand with education. You know. Um, like if you're a seven-year-old child walking down Grafton Street and you can see a couple, same-sex couple, whatever, holding hands and you know, yes, it's going to be okay. Yeah, and I can be that and that's okay. Yeah. 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 100%. Oh, Denise will have me crying now too. <laughs> what a point to leave it on. But lots of hope as well and lots of yeah. um, really practical 
tangible mm-hmm. things that people can do. So thank you for sharing um, those because I'm always hesitant to ask people, well, what more can we do? It's, it's one of those questions we hear a lot around Pride and I look mm-hmm. forward to the many interviews where I'll be asked the same thing. <laughs> so thanks for, I suppose, having a conversation about that because I do think we need to focus on that now with the wider community and, and what mm-hmm. can be done to make mm-hmm. all of this better, particularly for young people, I think, at the moment. So Denise, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time out to chat to us on Shout Out, Listen In. And best of luck with all of your work with Tenny, KFM and your day job and your family. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much to Denise Breen, who joined us for this episode of Shout Out Listening. It was such a pleasure to sit down with her and talk about her work, the important outreach of Tenny in challenging, challenging times for LGBTQ plus people in Ireland and where she thinks things are going for the future. Thanks so much to Denise for her time. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to another episode of Shout Out Listening. We've got lots more great episodes coming for you in the months ahead about HIV awareness and a range of other topics. So do stay tuned in. And if you have a moment today, we would greatly appreciate if you would rate our show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow for the next episode. But for now, thanks so much for listening in. And until we chat next, happy Pride.